Ladies and gentlemen, presenting the world-famous Kilgore College Rangerettes. podcast where we talk about movies and this week we are continuing with the well I'll say like mini series because it's just it's literally just two episodes but um we are talking about smaller movie projects last week we did the monkeys last yeah last week's episode about the monkeys that was exciting for me to it talk was. About it. I did feel like I said some things that I <laughs> I maybe shouldn't. Like I felt, I feel bad saying like, I'd like to see them live. I'd really like to see Mike, but you know Mickey too. But like I felt bad about that. I know Mickey you Dolan's, would talk about it all Mickey week. Dolan's, if you're listening, I would love to see you live. She I would. would. She would. Yeah. yeah, she would. Sorry, I nearly got ahead of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I mean we can bring it up now. Yeah. So you know, thanks to us. Thanks to us, the monkeys are going on tour again. Yes. <laughs> then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. So officially, I mean, they haven't said, and they haven't like come out and said, oh, it's because they're really podcast. <laughs> but in our minds, it's definitely because of us. What are the chances that we post? An episode about the monkey saying, man, I would love to see them live, and I'd love to go and see them on tour. And then you say, I hope they go on tour just for you. Two days later, they're like, hey, we're going to tour, and we're going to be in Texas. And it's like right around my birthday, like days away from my birthday. It's 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 because of us, man. It's like, us. You're welcome. You're welcome, guys. You're welcome, world. <laughs> monkey mania. <laughs> and this week... We are talking about Sweethearts of the Gridiron by director Chip Hale. But before we get into that, we need to talk about our Twitter, which yes. is at Really Podcast. Meredith's laughing because she doesn't want me to do the I rap. Know she, I know you're going to rap. Just do it. R E L Y P O D say, Oh, I messed up! <laughs> R E E L. Hold up, hold up. Let me let me get this. R E E L Y P O D C A S T. Really podcast. Also at gmail.com. <laughs> really podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Do I need to wrap that one? No. <laughs> I think I really embarrass Meredith when I do that. I don't know for sure, but I'm getting this big feeling. One, we brought back the monkeys. We did that. Again. You're welcome. Knock that off my bucket list. So, if you want to talk about it, you can talk about it. Just, I guess, a little bit. You don't have to go like into full detail, but uh, apparently... You were telling me earlier that you were jittery before class. I was running off of the pure adrenaline of just thinking about seeing them live. (laughs) 
we had to go out like we spent the class like outside and it was like freezing cold mm-hmm. didn't care <laughs> and it's cold it's cold it might not be cold for y'all wherever y'all are at, but it's cold. Like last night, it was nineteen degrees. It was seventeen when I got up this morning. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. Like we live in Texas. Yeah, and it's November. That's not normal for us. It should be like seventy out there. <laughs> exactly. Like you should be able to go swimming still. Like I that's normal. Swim in seventy. I mean, not seventy, but. It should not be it's hyperbole, Meredith. It should not be forty something degrees at one o'clock in the afternoon in November. Absolutely not. Like that's ridiculous. But I mean, you know, you know, we're talking about the weather here, yeah. You know. But um, when is the tour? April. 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 So that's like when it starts. Yeah, I think so. I think they're starting in Canada. And they're making their way down. Ooh, making my way downtown. <laughs> well, and I'm so, I'm also really excited about this because earlier in October, Mike was doing a first national band tour, but it was just in California, and I was like, how am I supposed to see the first <laughs> national band and listen to my country music love? But well, that hold on, scratch that. How am I supposed to listen to the only good country music? If yeah. it's in California, and I'm not. And I commented on his Video Ranch Instagram, please come to Texas. With the, like, the angry face emoji that's got, like, the steam coming out of his nose. <laughs> I, I love I love that little guy. That little emoji. Um, come back home, Mike. Honestly. Honestly. Just tour where you're from, you know. Houston, Dallas, both work for me. Yeah. We'll travel. Okay. Speaking of traveling, we... I really want to, I know you really want to go, but, like, we've got to make a trip to the gas station. Yes. So, if you don't know what we're talking about, um, one of our most popular episodes has been Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which includes a gas station where the whole family live, or they they didn't live there. Yeah, they, like, it's their business. Yeah. And they sell barbecue. (laughs) Exotic barbecue. (laughs) For exotic tastes. But, um, that place is actually a tourist spot. Yeah. And it's not that far from us. So, we're planning on going there. We don't know when. But, I mean, honestly, it's not that far away. Like, it could just be like... A day trip. Yeah. Pretty soon, actually. I'm I'm down. Let's do it. Let's go. Oh my god, I'm excited. We gotta yeah. post the pictures to the Twitter, of course. Yes, of course. At R E E L Y P O D C A S D. Maybe we will make a little Instagram page or go somewhere where we can go live while we're there. Yeah. Well, we... Let us know what you think about yeah. that. We can run a poll on Twitter on whether they think we need to have an Instagram. Yeah. Actually, that might not be the results we want. Because they might say no and we might get sad. That would be so funny. AKA, it probably just be me that got sad <laughs> well, i mean i don't know what we would post like regularly besides like screenshots of our posts but we can't put the link in the caption i know it's silly Ridiculous. that's just technical issues get on it instagram i know right so why are you excited about this movie i am excited now y'all haven't been with us since 
we watched this movie, and even before we watched the movie, I was super excited. But I am, like, geeking out. Before we started even recording, I was so nervous. Like, I just want to do this movie justice. I When I tell you that, I don't know if I've watched it four times or five times, but I've watched it a lot, which, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I am so excited because this movie is about the Kilgore College Rangerettes. Um, and I went to Kilgore College right out of high school. It's a community college in East Texas. The Kilgore College Rangerettes are a huge deal, and you'll learn why eventually as you listen to us and if you watch the movie. Um, also, while we're at it, I just want to say thank you to Catherine Morton. No relation. Uh, we have the same last name, but we're not related. She is, I don't want to say former rangerette, because once you're a rangerette, you're always a rangerette, but um, she is a rangerette who gave me the copy of the movie. Yeah, so I made a Facebook post, and it was, this was a while back. This probably, it wasn't a full year. It was around April, because I was showing my friend Brielle, because what the Rangerettes were, because we were going to go to Rebels, and we did go to Rebels, but, um, so, I put out a Facebook post, I was like, I'm so tired of renting the movie, because I had rented it, like, three or four times, and she said that she would give me her copy, because she had recently gotten a new copy that was signed by the current line of Rangerettes. I was like, I was wondering why that was your only DVD. Yeah. I was like, you cannot be like that into the, this drill team that you're like, I'm going to buy one DVD. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally the only DVD I own one because you don't have a DVD player. (laughs) That's what makes it even worse. That makes me even look more like a fanatic. Like girl, you don't even have a DVD player, but you have Sweethearts of the Gridiron on DVD. I I um I borrow DVD players. Uh, that actually might be on my Christmas list this year. A DVD player. Honestly, I do need a DVD player yeah. because I could save so much money. Like honestly. Yeah. Also, she got us the connections to Chip Hale, who is you know the director of the movie, which is amazing. So. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you so much. And thank you, Mr. Chip Hale. Thank you so much. Wow. This is amazing. Ah, See, this is why I'm so excited. (laughs) That's probably like the highest pitch that you've ever heard me on the show. Maybe. I don't know. I yell a lot. Hmm. This is probably the most excited you'll hear me on this show. Yes. Because I, I can already tell I'm, like, way on a different level than I usually am. <laughs> but, okay, for those of you who don't know what the Rangerettes are, they are perfection. They're the first drill team. <laughs> Same thing. No, but for real, you got to admit that, well, you haven't seen them live. That's fair. 
That's fair. That, it'll blow your mind. Like, I'll post some videos, because I have some videos on my phone, because I recently went to their homecoming, and of course, the Rangerettes performed, and so I'll post some videos on our Twitter that we have of the Kilgore College Rangerettes. And I mean, I know I said, you know, they're, she said they're perfection, and I just said, oh, they're the first drill team. They are very talented. Like, it's very impressive to see. Like, I've only seen the movie, but it was really impressive to see them doing what they do. Yes, and if if you've had the privilege of seeing them... <laughs> Meredith! <laughs> if you've had the privilege of seeing them and... Knowing their legacy and knowing not necessarily the background because I don't know everything that went on, obviously. There's so much history when it comes to this. Then you'd be able to realize why I'm so excited about it. Like, literally, I cry during the movie just because, like, (laughs) during parts of the movie, but, like, these women work so hard. Yeah, for sure. So hard. The dedication it takes to be a rangerette is so much. Like, willpower off the charts. Yeah. Um, And, of course, you know, we'll get into that later. But there's so many different things that you have to do. It's, it's taxing on the body. It's taxing on the mind. Yeah, and um, it's probably tough emotionally too yes Hmm. there's i know i couldn't do it that's for sure no first of all i'm not coordinated enough to dance or kick that high oh god Hmm. and i'm just gonna say this as a precursor like the kilgore college rangerettes walked so the dallas cowboy cheerleaders could run and that's a fact Meredith's laughing, but it's true. <laughs> there are plenty of Kilgore College Rangerettes that went on to be Dallas Cowboys. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. It's yeah. true. It's true. <laughs> and also, they had uh, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders coach. Uh, I think her name, they she goes by Kitty. She was in the movie. Really? Yeah, she, and like in the very beginning, she was... They were in the dance studio that they have, and she was talking about them and hmm. talking about how their kicks and everything, how the Rangerettes kick even more than the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders and stuff like that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And so when we say, like you said earlier, they were literally the first drill team. Um... I kind of wasn't want to say the first collegiate drill team because I looked into it today and basically the first coach, I want to even say coach, the first director of the Rangerettes was the late Gussie Nell Davis and she started kind of a drill team in... It at a local high school, and I forgot what their name was, but they were originally a palm squad, and all they did was um, they sat in the stands with 
pom-poms and cheered. Um, but then when it came to the Rangerette, she took them out on the field with the band and they performed and it became, it was a phenomenon, honestly. Um, it was the beginning of the drill team and then since then the drill team industry has become a huge business. Um, economist Ray Perryman announced that, I don't remember how long ago this was, but he announced that the drill team stuff, like high-profile professional football cheerleading squads and drill teams, precision, precision, precision dance is an $8 billion industry that provides more than 50,000 jobs. So... Something that started in small East Texas has evolved into something huge. And that's crazy to me. Makes me wonder how many how many diva meltdowns it's provided. Oh, so many. So many. And that's something we'll get into later too, because I mean, while the movie does highlight a lot of good things, um, there has been a lot of questioning of the methods of Gussie Nell Davis. Not a lot of people liked what she did. Um, which, you know, there's always going to be some people and always questionable things. Um, and I'm not giving them a pass on that by any means. But it started way back. It started in the 40s. So, like, literally the 40s. Um was the first season that they came out. So, it was actually the 1940 football season. Um, and alcoholics are the reason why they exist. Really? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so, at Kilgore College, when the football games were going on back then, a lot of people during halftime, what they call it, but... They it wasn't really like technically a halftime that they had. They would go up under the stands and uh, drink, and then get a little bit too rowdy in the second half. So there was the president of the college back then. I think his last name was Masters, and he he came to Gussie Nell Davis and he was like, "I need some way to keep the people in the stands." Because it's just getting crazy out there. He didn't say that, but he might have. Probably. <laughs> Something... he, maybe, he maybe wasn't that polite about it either. Yeah, honestly. And he had seen what uh, Miss Davis had done in the past with the high school drill team. I'm going to say drill team because yeah. I don't know what else to call it. Palm squad. Yeah. And he wanted something like that. For his school. Um, He needed dancing girls. So, the 1940 football season, the women went out on that field. And in the movie, some of the women from the first line, they said, we weren't supposed to be in uniform before halftime, sitting in the stands. Yeah, they weren't allowed to be seen. Yeah, it was a big surprise. Some people 
thought it was the most ungodliest thing they had ever seen. Because, you know, this is East Texas. Dancing women. Exactly. In, in, in skirts. You Short know? sleeves. What? <laughs> but, and some people, they thought it was brilliant. Which, you know, makes sense. A lot of people said that Gussie Nell Davis was way ahead of her time. And, I mean, they even showed clips of her in the in the movie. And you were like, I like her. <laughs> she was. She was a cool little lady. She was cool. But, so, we're going to get into Gussie Nell Davis later. Because there were, there's only been three directors of the Rangerettes throughout history. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's almost like 80 years. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. I'm telling you, like, this whole story. Ugh, I'm just so excited for y'all to hear it. But before we get into the plot, what are your thoughts right now? Like, because you saw the movie. Yeah. I get where you can have some. Well, I mean, because it's like, I don't. I've never seen them perform live, so I understand, like, there's an important legacy and they're a big deal. But at the same time, like, I don't. I don't get it. It's just a drill team, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I thought it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually kind of hard for documentaries to keep my attention. But, I mean, this was very interesting, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I do respect the Rangerettes, and I know they work really hard. Please do not come after me for saying I don't get it. I just <laughs> never, you know, experienced it. Yeah, and I'm sure they would understand that. But I'm going to drag you to Revels. It's going to well, also, I mean, I live in East Texas now, mm-hmm. but for the first, like, yeah. 18 years of my life, I didn't. So, I mean, I heard briefly about the Rangerettes in high school from my newspaper, like, sponsor, teacher, whatever. I don't know what her official title was, but she was our teacher, and, you know, she talked about them, like, once. Mm-hmm. I think it maybe was around Rebel season, but... Okay, yeah. I mean, I didn't really... That didn't mean anything to me at the time. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I'm going to be honest here, I didn't even know about the Rangerettes until I went to Kilgore College, and that was when I was 18. So, and I lived in East Texas for a long time, but when I told my aunt that I was going to Kilgore College, I think she brought up the Rangerettes, and I mentioned it to her too, and she was like, oh, man, when we were growing up, People didn't want to be Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. They wanted to be Rangerettes. And I was like, really? (laughs) Wow. But also, I mean, I've had a lot of these women in my classes. And um, I've hung out with them. And they're... I'm not going to lie. Some of the freshmen, you know, you're always going to get a few. Because it's that culture. Um... Who are a little bit stuck up. Some of the freshmen can be a little stuck up. But I feel like when they get to be sophomores, they kind of grow out of it. They kind of realize, oh, I'm here. Um, this, or maybe not, probably, well, I bet they get checked pretty soon in the season, honestly, if they yeah. start acting like that. You well, know? I mean, even if they are a little stuck up, I think they kind of deserve it. I mean, just seeing how many people auditioned yeah. and how many made it. I mean, they definitely should be proud of themselves. Yeah, I wouldn't want to hear them talk about it, though. Just because <laughs> I... That's just how I am, but... 
I, it's definitely impressive. Yeah. And I don't think it's fair of me to, like, group them together. But that's one of the things is that um, together they're famous. But individually, I'm not going to say they're not famous. They're part of a legacy. But individually, they are people who went to a community college in East Texas, you know. Yeah. But with like superhuman dancing abilities <laughs> and their rangerettes and there's something special there, you know? And it's amazing. I don't wanna even try to discredit them one bit, honestly. Right. Um so let's get into the plot. So the movie it really the most current story that they're following is tryouts. Yeah. They're trying out for the rangerettes. So, I would say it's majority of the movie is tryouts. Yeah. Uh, and that process. And then... Because it follows, like, a few of the people that were trying out. Yes. So, and I'd say, like, a third of that is history of the Rangerettes. Because I was reading on uh, Sweethearts of the Gridiron website, and one of the people who worked on this film, she's a former Rangerette. And she was talking about how it's hard to get across to people. It's like what they were talking about sometimes. Because you can't just use jargon in a film, especially a documentary, because the common man isn't going to know what you're talking about. Right. So it the movie really starts off with the history of the Rangerettes and where they came from and... They introduce some of the women from the first line. Yes. Who are adorable. Yes, they're still, like, hanging out with each other, wearing their Rangerettes Forever Bedazzled shirts, and it's cute. Yes. And then also, mayor of Kilgore, Ronnie Spradlin, he was a manager. And managers, there's usually about four of them. They're the young men who help... And assist the rangerettes like with props and things like that. Um, one of my friends is actually a manager, so that's interesting. So it's it's really cool for me because I just have these connections with people, and yeah. I'm not gonna say I know what's going on, but like it's easy for me to understand. Yeah. My name is Chip Hill. I am a documentary filmmaker. I directed Sweethearts of the Gridiron, and I make films, documentaries, short films, music videos. Um, mainly would like to do and focus documentaries, but i um, got to make a living, too, right? So I make other stuff. And kind of like an icebreaker, what's your favorite movie? Godfather. Why? Yeah. Well, because I feel it is... Um, well, it's a period piece. It was a period piece made in now what would be to us a period piece. So it was a 1940s movie made in 1972. So if you watch it in 2019, you don't look at necessarily something that was made in 72. Because like, say, for example, if you watch The Graduate now, which is a great classic movie, right? Right. But you can see that it's a little bit dated when you watch it now. The soundtrack, some of the, some of the, the transitions with the movies, you can just tell that it has a certain... It's dated, right? But if you watch The Godfather, it isn't dated because it's already a period piece. And I love Brando. I mean, if I were to have 
chosen to be in front of the camera, Brando would have been my, I mean, I jokingly say this, that he's my man crush, right? He's just, especially a streetcar named Desire and on the waterfront. So to be able to um, have your favorite movie that has your favorite actor in it is really cool. And then after that is uh, Braveheart. I find that uh, it's a really, it's a movie that women can enjoy, even though it's just kind of epic all this fighting and gore and war whatever it is you know um plus you gotta i know he's oh i cuss a lot oh, is that gonna fine. be a problem okay good <laughs> i know he's right then mel gibson i mean that is an impressive movie he made right I mean, he really he knows how to direct a film right i uh, so i have an appreciation for the godfather obviously and also for braveheart but i i think now as i'm starting to um, branch more into documentaries um, some of my favorite films are becoming docs, like Grizzly Man. <laughs> right? It's so. We talked about Grizzly Man when we were talking about your movie, Sweethearts, Sweethearts of the Gridiron, because that's my favorite documentary. <laughs> oh, it's great, right? I mean, if you look, I think it's got like 99.9 .9 rating, like some you know, Rotten Tomatoes, like one of the highest scored films ever. Um, no, and I love that filmmaker, Errol Morris, right? He did uh, Fog of War uh, about Robert McNamara. And so I find myself looking at films now and go, huh, might not be as good as Errol Morris, but I can take that and I can apply it to where I am with, with, with my storytelling and on an independent level, because I still make films on a very, very low budget independent level. And so Megan knows more about the Rangerettes than I do, but we heard that you were a manager of yes. the Rangerettes, is that how right. you okay. Yeah, so I was a Rangerette manager in 95, 96, so that was, I don't know, 23 years ago. Um, and being from a small town, I'm from Overton, um, I grew up really thinking that football was going to be my way out of the country, if you will, right? Um, and it was very, it was made very quick, uh, known to me rather quickly that football wasn't going to get me out and nothing with a ball was going to get me out. And one of the things that really kind of uh, jarred me into going into something a little bit more in line with me anyway, which is, you know, producing things, writing, create, just creating stuff, right? We're all creative people. But it was being around the Rangerettes. It was being around um, peers from Austin, Houston, and Dallas. And they were, I didn't feel intimidated by them, right? I, my humor was still funny with city kids. You know, uh, my, uh, my way of looking at life wasn't necessarily so country anyway, if you will. And uh, being a Rangerette manager is kind of, I don't know, I guess maybe there's a metamorphosis, if you will, and I finally transitioned from, all right, sports just isn't going to do it for me at all, not, not even coaching, not even being around it, I don't want really to do it anymore. Uh, and I performed, the managers have a dance, and I handed up and just went way too big, and everyone laughed and thought it was great, and so I've now hosted two different revels. Um, while I was in LA, I would come back and make videos for the Rangerettes. So I owe my career to the organization and have no problems admitting that and saying that. Um, Sweethearts the Gridiron, while I watch it now, I, oh, I don't know. Oh man, if, I, if only. Um, it's good to be able to use that to, you know, not make that mistake again or do something different for your next project. But as far as the film itself and the organization, I don't know, I feel like um, I would not be anywhere close to my current status with my career without that organization, without that film. What was your process when you were making this Okay, so this is my first doc. So I'd made a narrative feature called Mulligans. 
your first, it was my first feature, if that tells you anything. Um, so I had never really thought I was going to do documentaries. I'd gone to film school at North Texas to make narratives and be the next Tarantino. But I can remember whenever my buddies and I would make the yearly pilgrimage from L.A. to Sundance in Park City. We'd go, we were, I think, three years in a row. It was extremely hard for us to go see the star movies, right? You know, the ones that had Brad Pitt that had like $20 million, but they were still independent. We would always be relegated to go see documentaries. And we would go see, I mean, I mean, Rape of the Congo was the documentary that we saw at 8 o'clock in the morning at a height. I mean, right? Um, and I started to realize that um, what, how you could apply a narrative structure to a documentary, right? So you can still, like, if I'm documenting the two of you making this podcast, I'm at your whim. Like, if your car breaks down, I'm broken down with you. You know, if you were going to eat over here, this is where I'm going to eat. So for me, there was this sense of, I like to control things. You really can't control shit with a documentary until you get in the post. And I've come to find that my issue is trying to control the stuff that was maybe out of my wheelhouse, not necessarily things that I were confident enough to be able to manage. Whereas with docs, I don't even get in my head because this is where we are today and this is what we're doing and I have a shot list and I do have an outline and I just got to hope that whatever I capture that day falls into that outline or the outline um, falls into what we're shooting and it becomes very malleable, right? That was one thing that we kind of joked about was the girl who had to go to the hospital. Yes. Like, that's one of those things that, you know, happen on a whim. Mm -hmm. How did y'all handle that? Well, so the, the Rangerette bubble is, uh, I say that tongue-in-cheek and also with a, a lot of uh, terms of endearment. It's a term of endearment when I say the bubble. I was using my Rangerette manager connections. I had already created a relationship with a lot of these young women through their directors and then through their parents, right? Because uh, as a documentary filmmaker, I, one thing I learned quickly was that not everyone's comfortable in front of camera, especially even performers such as dancers, right? So one of the things I would always do is just really ingratiate myself to everyone that's involved, mom, dad, grandmother. I mean, if I went to interview Caroline and the family were there, we would interview view all of them, but we would treat them as if they were a part of the interview process. So whenever Caroline got sick and we knew that she had to have the appendectomy, her director was on vacation in Colorado. Her name, her director was Holly Williams Lyons. So we called Holly and said, Holly, I said, uh, what do you think would, uh, her parents would say if we called the parents and asked if we go to the hospital? And she was, I'll call the parents for you. So, and then the next day I had a text from the mom saying, yeah, we're, this is the room that we're in. You know, you can come over and she'll gladly will talk to you. So we took one camera, one sound operator and myself and we rolled into, uh, I think it was UT, I can't remember what hospital it was in Tyler. And she was a trooper, man. I mean, she had, she had been trying out sick for two days. I mean, you could look, you can see her. She was starting to become like yellowish and green. That was probably one of the favorite parts for me. I cried. <laughs> like when she made it and right? the sign dropped. I was like, yes! 
act like that whole Good, movie. thank you. <laughs> I just wanted to let you know that. Well, you know, it's hard not to pull for her. Yes. I mean, it was really hard not to pull for those kids. And Kevlin, the girl who tried out the first time and didn't yes. make it, and you hear her mom say, well, we just put her in dance, and we did this and this and this. I mean, it goes to show that um, these young women are, they're putting in the 10,000 hours, right? Yes. I mean, to be a professional at something, you have to do it for 10,000 hours. Now, whether or not they want to go in and be professional dancers to whatever degree, here at Kilgore, they're putting in those hours. They, they may leave with, you know, two or 3,000 hours whenever you consider how much dance they've been taking since they were, you know, three, four, and five years old. But not everyone was like that. And so Kevlin was, you know, a late bloomer, if you will. But to see that she still wanted something so badly and that she put it... Um, all of herself into it, right? And that her mom and the family bought into it was just very powerful. And it's, I don't know, you want to tell those stories. I mean, I'm just flattered and honored to be able to tell them. Do you still keep in touch with any of the girls? Yeah, actually, you know, because again, with the bubble, uh, at Revels, whenever I see them, or whenever I see their moms or dads or brothers or whatever, yeah, I mean, it's uh, to be in fact, I was at a film festival last year in Tyler and I was watching a short film and Robin Richardson, who is one of the sophomores that we uh, followed, she was in a short film. And so I sent her a text and said, hey, I just saw you in a short film in Tyler. And um, she goes, yeah, I'm, I'm actually trying to get into acting. She was a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader for a little bit. And so I don't want to say that the documentary filmmaking bug got her into wanting to be in acting, because that's kind of oxymoronic, because how do you get into acting after being in doc? But at the same time, like I said, I like to put a narrative feel to docs, and so I, I hope that while, yes, it was informative, it didn't necessarily feel like a long doc, that it had a, 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 a fictional-type clip to it, if you will. Certain certain stories need to show the truth, the ugliness of it, right? I mean, I don't know what's, I don't know, I guess, maybe the girls that didn't make it, but the one, Sierra, she went on to become, a, I mean, you couldn't write that I mean, you, I mean, you couldn't, I mean, it was... I remember whenever I w we were in Austin, it was after a uh, sign drop, and I'd followed all the girls on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, we were at a yogurt shop in Cedar Park, and I can just remember going, what the f man, and I just showed the whole crew the phone of Sierra, and doing, you know, the girl... Kilgore Rangerettes have the K-Girl, and I think the Apache Bills have, like, whatever. They have some weird little thing yeah. or whatever, and there she was doing it. So that was one of the things we hate. Some of the things we hated to laugh at, be, we weren't laughing at Sierra. But it's just yeah. the fact that it's, like, she's what she said. She was, like, Rangerettes was, the only difference is Rangerettes was my dream, and the Apache Bells is not. And we were, like, I know. I so when we cut her scene it was super important for all of us not just me but the whole production team that we did not mess up her two years that we did not so but then I mean okay so yeah I, I wanted to get into Sundance and South by, but I didn't. You know, I got into other film festivals and was just happy with those, right? I mean, so to me, Sierra not making Rangerettes and going to become an Apache Bell is no different than. But I admit, I, I mean, it would be like saying 
don't know, you're flying first class and then not. Right? You're eating a barbecue sandwich or you're eating an apple. I mean, things are different and they're different. And it was obvious with Sierra what she wanted. But it was also what she actually wanted more than anything else was to continue dancing. I think that what just got lost was her passion to be a ranger. But underneath it all, the real true line thesis was she was not ready to stop dancing. So much so that when she left TJC, she went to Florida Atlantic and became a palm girl or whatever their mascot is. I hate to be so palm girl, so sexist, but whatever. Um, not sexist, but I always have to put a girl at the end of something. Palm team, palm dancer. But that just goes on to show that she really wanted to continue doing that, right? Not just go to be in a rangerette, to be a rangerette. She's continued her dance career. Now, I don't know what she's doing now, because I'm personally right now, I'm on a six-month social media ban, and it feels fantastic. I bet that is. It does. And, the, the, well, that was one of the things that I said to Meredith. I said, it seemed like she was more in love with the idea yes, of being a rangerette. Because mm-hmm. her, her sister was one. Mm-hmm. And, look, they... They were the first, right? I mean, I mean, and you know, I don't know what's best or better. I mean, that's all subjective. So I'm not. But as far as you know, I mean, I, don't know, I just it was again very fortuitous for us as storytellers to have Caroline's story. I mean, fortuitous that she had an appendectomy. Sounds horrible. Yeah. But I mean, gotta go with the flow. I mean, if, if it were a narrative. We would have had to break. We would, we had to stop production for a month, mm-hmm. but because it was a doc, we just kept going with it. So that's what I meant by. It. I mean, yeah. Sorry, Caroline, if you listen to this, I didn't want you to get appendicitis. We didn't like do anything to make you have that or anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> to make yeah. <laughs> Yep. Since you were a, a manager with the Rangerettes, we kind of had some questions about some of the rumors. Rumors? Well... I like rumors. Okay, what do we got? <laughs> so, I've always heard that they had a room for tanning. Is that true? The managers? No, no, no. The Rangerettes. Had a tanning bed? Uh-huh. I think they do have a tanning bed in the residence. Okay. And then the quarantine room. Like, if one rangerette gets sick, they get sent there so they don't get the rest of them sick? I'm pretty sure that's every... That seems to be... I've heard of that, yes, right? But that, I mean, those two... Tanning bed doesn't make sense to me anymore because I know it's going to be Yeah. (laughs) But the quarantine room, absolutely. I mean, because you have to... Yeah, so there's a quarantine room. There definitely is one. That makes sense. And then my question is... What do the Rangerettes mean to you? Like, how would you describe their impact as someone who participated as a manager okay. and then, like, watched as a filmmaker? Personally or, like, grand scale or both? Grand, on the grand scale, um, I think what the Rangerettes have done is to provide young women an outlet. Um, it's, it's hard to be a young woman in the United States of America. It's really hard to be a teenage woman. Uh, imagine being a black woman. And I feel what the Ranger currently is doing is preparing these young women, um, not for the workforce or for whatever they want to do next, but for life. Uh, I think that um, on a on a thirty thousand foot view, um, I'd be willing to bet that you could take a, a large percentage of the young women who have left Rangerettes have gone on to be successful in whatever it is they've chosen to do. And a lot of that is, you know, I don't know how old you are now, but I mean, if you were 18 or 19, you know how 
not smart you were when you were 18 or 19, but how smart you really thought you were, right? So um, I think on a, on a grand scale, that's what that does. It, it, it prepares them. For me personally, it was... They allowed me to grow. I mean, they really just... So um, they've allowed me to... Oh, to be me and they took me back when I came back my tail between my legs in 2012 when I called off my wedding <laughs> open arms so can't beat that can't beat being loved and um, is there anything that you would like to plug or just anything else that you would like to say absolutely um, we have a Currently, you're interviewing me inside the Real Lounge at the uh, East Really Texas Film Festival. We've turned the old post office into a lounge. There are 11 filmmakers in here right now on a Saturday afternoon in Kilgore, Texas. Right? They're here to see their movies, and I'm really hoping that whenever they see their movies, they want to stay here and make their movies, or not stay here, come back to make their next film. I'm working on a, uh, a documentary for The Roadshow, like I mentioned, and I'm working on another one called Voices of Kilgore, which is we're documenting all the people that are still alive that were alive during the boom, which was in 1930. So we've already interviewed six people, and we interviewed three more on Wednesday. So I'm just, I'm working. I'm staying busy. Speaking of history, let's talk about the three directors. And we have to start off with Gussie Nell Davis. She was the first, and we mentioned her earlier. So there's actually a book uh, about Gussie Nell Davis, and it's called Remembering Gussie Nell. It's by Martha Dean. And it goes into her life and, you know how she was as director of the Rangerettes, but just a few things that I've gotten not from the book, but from, you know, just people that knew Miss Davis. Um, my former photography teacher, O. Rufus Lovett, was actually pretty good friends with Miss Davis because he photographed them for a long time, and he got really close with them. And one of the things that apparently Miss Davis said was, I borned you. <laughs> like, like to the Rangerettes? Yes. I'm sure, uh, I've all, like, I've heard, like, there's a quote in a story, I believe it was in the Tyler Morning News they they said that she was a spitfire, and I believe it, I believe you know? It. Like, you got to be a strong woman to handle that many girls, yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. And to just, like, in her time, you know, like, there wasn't a whole lot of women leaders in the 40s, you know? It's crazy. Yeah. And another thing that is funny to me, there was this thing called the personality kick. You want to know what that is? Yes. Well, the personality kick is when you kick your foot up to about chest high. Because your chest is where your personality is at. Hmm? Your boobs. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a personality kick. 
Glad we grew out of that phase of thinking. <laughs> I hope. Oh, Lord. It's, it's funny. And then a quote that came from the news story I mentioned earlier. Uh, it says, She really made an impression, says Martha Hale Dean, a rangerette from 1970 to 1972. She was a total lady. She always wore high heels, even when she was walking up and down the bleachers. We were taught so much more than dancing and kicking. We were taught to be our best, to be perfect, and to be beautiful. And that's one of the things that's mentioned uh, a lot in the film and in other places that they are trying to represent the all-American girl. Yeah. I mean, their uniforms are even red, white, and blue. Yeah. And, you and know. And even though the shorts, I mean, the skirts have gotten shorter, <laughs> they're still, like, decently modest in terms of, like, dance uniforms. Yes. And even in their performances, I know you haven't seen a performance, but one of their biggest rivals, and also this is another thing we'll kind of get into later, but one of their biggest rivals, quote, is the Tyler Junior College Apache Bells, who were formed soon after the Rangerettes, and they are a different dance team. They definitely do more modern stuff on the field. Uh, they don't always wear their, um, I would say, traditional drill team stuff on the field. Um, I remember when they came to Kilgore College, they really showed out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's It's different. Kilgore and the Rangerettes are more traditional when it comes to their drill team. Just because it does have that history. It does have that perfection. They know what they're doing and they're not going to screw it up. You know, Revels, they do more of the jazz, hip-hop. That's like their showcase in the spring, right? Yes, yes. And that's where they do jazz, ballet, contemporary, hip-hop. Just, and tap, and different types of dance. Um, but on the field, they stick to traditional, and that's what they've mastered, you know? Um, so one of the things, I, like, in in the news story that they were talking about, they did it perfectly, honestly. They were talking about what the two women they were interviewing looked like. One was Emily Deal who is actually in the movie. She wasn't... I wouldn't say she was one of the main ones. They kind of got into her later into the film. I guess because they noticed how well she was doing. Yeah, everybody was really impressed by her. Mm-hmm. But eventually she became captain. Um, and, you know, they talked about her... She was wearing the captain's uniform, with which is all white, and with long flowing curls and red lipstick and chin tilted high and smiling and you know it's just to picture that you know they're made to be confident and they look confident and they know what they're doing and I don't know it's just different I don't I know what I feel about it and it's just 
Ugh, I'm obsessed. <laughs> but you, you were telling me a little bit ago that they aren't always liked, despite the fact that they're so, you know, iconic. Yeah, so there was a movie made a while back ago. It was called Beauty Knows No Pain. Um, not everybody agreed with Miss Davis. Some people thought she was brilliant, as we said, and then some people thought it was just terrible. Um, there have even been times where they talk about representation in the Rangerettes because, honestly, it's predominantly white women. Um, right now, there is... I forgot... She's not Captain. I believe she is right end lieutenant and she is a black woman. But I I believe she's been quoted as or Miss Davis has been quoted as saying um when there is a qualified black woman then she will be on the team, you know. And I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's a sticky subject. It definitely yeah. is. And then also the thing with, a lot of people call it anti-feminist because they're trying to create the picture of the perfect woman. Yeah, something that I noticed when they were starting the tryouts is they were taking the height of everybody and everybody was the exact same height. Okay, let me tell you about this. So... The way they don't just grade on dance and things like that, they also want to make sure everyone looks good together. So they'll have when they line up on the field, you'll notice they'll have the tallest in the middle, and then they go down from there. Um, and also, I don't know if this is true or not, um, but I've heard like a rumor of so they wear these belts right and they're pretty thick belts and in the middle there's like a little space where it ties there's something called and this is just what I've heard from people who are really close with the rangerettes is that there's a one inch rule you have to have each end of the belt one inch away from each other and if you don't you either need to suck it in or, I don't know what's going to happen to you. I'm actually not surprised. Yeah. Because I've heard stories of cheerleading tryouts where if there are enough people, like if there are too many people, they'll just start cutting people based on weight. Mm. I don't know what particular team it was, but I was kind of wondering if they did the same thing with the Rangerettes. Like, it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, they even do that at Hooters. Do they really? Well, something similar, because my cousin has worked at both Hooters and Twin Peaks, and they grade you. They give you, a, like, a report card. Like, you have to have your nails done, your makeup, your hair. Um, yeah. So that's one reason why people have brought up, is it anti-feminist or not? Um, and usually their comeback to that is no. We just have our own thing that we want to do. And these, these girls know what they're getting into. 
And they do. They bully. Yeah, and it's all, all girls who have, like, trained their whole lives. Mm-hmm. Like, taken dance lessons. And so, I mean, they kind of have an idea of how they need to be. But, I mean, I can definitely see the the argument. It's definitely there. Yeah. I agree. Um. Yeah. And then... So, that's that's a little bit about Miss Davis. So, the next woman who was the director was Deanna Bolton Coven, who's... The, the Ranger at Jim is actually named the Deanna Bolton Coven Jim. And that's where the Rangerettes practice. Um, Just the Rangerettes, nobody else. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and even on the gym floor, there's a picture of a Rangerette doing the K-Girl. And the K-Girl, if you don't know, that is a pose that they do where they their body is in the shape of a K. And it's for Kilgore College. <laughs> Meredith just rolled her eyes. It was probably because she was remembering me doing the K-Girl. No, that's not why. I do remember <laughs> you doing it. I know. But that's not why. <laughs> that's not why I rolled my eyes. Just because, you know crazy that they can just do that it's not that hard well i guess i guess not but it's a little silly is it it's really pretty though if you get somebody who knows how to do it like you were looking at me that there's a difference you know yeah that's fair it it works it works meredith (laughs) so deanna bolton coven was the second director i don't know too much about her um, but she definitely modernized the Rangerettes. Um, I believe she's the one who made Rebels more of what it is today. It's more of a show. It's honest, like, it because it's connected. It's not just different dances. They have a theme. They fully fledge it out. One time, one of the themes was, like, fashion, and one of the either former rangerette or um a rangerette's mother donated designer clothing and purses like thousands thousands of dollars of clothing and accessories yeah and they modeled those in the show um so Deanna Bolton Coven, I think, is more credited with modernizing the Rangerettes and bringing them up to another standard. Yeah. Then the next two are the current... Well, the current director is Dana Blair, and then the choreographer is Shelley Wayne. But since I have known about the organization... You really can't say Dana Blair without Shelly Wayne following Not Close Behind. Um, I rarely hear just Dana Blair. I always hear Dana Blair and Shelly Wayne. They work hand in hand with each other a lot. And um, they were former Rangerettes. They were on the team. So I think that's interesting. I don't know if they were the first ones to do that or not. I, I'm not sure if Deanna Bolton Coven was a rangerette. I feel like she probably was. I honestly don't know. Really? Yeah. 
Because, I mean, Mrs. Coven was an older woman as well. Oh, okay. And Dana Blair and Shelley Wayne, they're pretty young. And, um, but what all of these directors and all of these women have in common is that they strive for absolute perfection. Yeah, in like a crazy way. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, it is a little bit crazy, like... And like, not even, not even in like a small mistake way. Like, there is nothing. They, they don't want anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why if I ever see something, like, that's noticeable, I get scared for them. <laughs> because if it's noticeable to me, somebody who's not trained in dance... It's gonna be way worse for them. Exactly. So, it's like, oof. I'm like, oh my god, they're gonna get chewed out, you but know? But I don't imagine that you've seen much. No. No. Rarely. I don't even want to get into it. (laughs) But, so, they just really, and one word that's been used a lot is intimidating. Even in the movie. Um, A lot of the girls that they followed in the movie said that they were intimidating. And speaking about the girls that they were following, um, these were the main people that they were following and we're going to kind of get into them each and tell their story because I feel like it'd just be hard to tell the plot but we can tell the yeah. plot through each character yeah um so Olivia she's number 69 and that's how we remember her <laughs> so she I like throughout I just she's just a strong dancer. Yeah. I don't think she was necessarily trained in a lot of drill. Um this is just from me watching the movie. Uh she was a very strong dancer. Um and she actually went to an art school in high school and she was talking about how all of her friends like they're either going to New York or Washington or Europe. Yeah. Because she was from Salt Lake City, right? Yes, she's from Utah. Yeah. And she was like, well, I'm going to Kilgore, which is a small town in East Texas, you know, which is pretty daunting, you know, because you're not sure if you're going to make it, you know, but honestly, throughout the movie, I had a good feeling that she was going to make it. Just yeah, because of her attitude. I had a good know? feeling about all of them. But really? that's just because it's like, uh, this is a documentary about something that a lot of people love. Yeah. I don't imagine, I don't think that it would, you know, take a sad, yeah. unexpected sad turn. But, I mean, that's just based on my experience with other movies like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I just had that feeling because, one, she was a strong dancer, and while Rangerettes is a lot of drill, a lot of the Rangerettes either major in, like, dance or things like that, so it really didn't surprise me that she made it. Yeah. Um, she was actually called for a callback. Yes, During... that was so dramatic. <laughs> it really was. She was like, I don't know what kind of callback this is going to be. This might be to make sure they don't want me on the team. I'm she like, wasn't crying. She was crying. Not, not not like that. 
She was crying though. Okay, she was crying. She was crying, but she was like, <laughs> someone was crying like that. Was it yeah, you? It was probably me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. But I I was thinking about this too. But I've kind of been there, not in as strong of a way. But okay, so if you know me. <laughs> You know I was a mascot in high school. Um, one of my goals was to at the at my senior year to be asked to coach with the NCA, which is the National Cheer Association. Um, they do summer camps and they get former camp attendees to teach these camps. Um, and I worked hard as a mascot and I know it sounds funny and it's just a mascot position, but it really meant a lot to me, you know, and I put a lot of work into it and I studied and I would win a crap ton of awards and I'm not even trying to flex or anything. It's just, I, I just want y'all to know, like I worked hard when it came to that, um, and each year at each camp, I would get better. Then at the end of my senior year, um, in an award ceremony, they asked out of like over a hundred girls, they asked maybe like three girls to be teachers in the, in the camps coming up or to apply. They would call it like being apt, though they gave you an application. And I was one of the girls who was asked. And I still had my mascot character on. And I had to take my head off, which was against the rules, really. Like, as just a mascot, you're not supposed to undress in front of people or get out of character. But, I like, I was about to hyperventilate, and I just started crying. And so, <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but when you work so hard for something... I get it. Yeah. I get fair. it. Yeah. And it was physically taxing and mentally too because, you know, I, 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 I'm a big girl. I don't move around all the time like that, you know? And it just, like, I threw up every morning one time at a cheer camp. One, because of allergies. Two, because of anxiety. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It was a big deal for me. (laughs) But, so, I kind of get it. Yeah. I kind of get it. Um, and then we're going to talk about Sierra. Sierra, her older sister, was a rangerette. And she had kind of grown up around it. And so, she was super enthusiastic. But, unfortunately, she didn't make it. Um, Which I wasn't expecting. I thought she would be, you know, I thought she was kind of like an obvious one. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, The first time I watched it, uh, I just didn't know about her. Um, She was kind of different, honestly, from the rest that were trying out. I feel like the other girls were a little bit more mature. Um, I think she was excited about 
the concept of rangerettes, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. I can see that. Yeah. But, I mean, nothing against her at all. At all. Because eventually she became an Apache Belle, who, like we said earlier, are the rivals of the rangerettes. Yeah, she seemed kind of upset when she was talking about it, but... Literally, she said, the only difference between this is that rangerettes was my dream, and Apache Bells is not. <laughs> like, oops, sorry, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly. But, I mean, and she said it, but I've always heard this, too, that the Apache Bells were Rangerette rejects. And I'm not saying that it's true or not, but that's just something I've always heard. Yeah, you know? well, I mean, that's like the, the connotation that goes with it. Yeah, and I've also heard them called the Poochie Bellies. Like the Apache Bells, the Poochie Bellies. Oh. Yeah. So, mm. see, there's some bad stuff to this, Yeah, y'all. that's unnecessarily nasty. Like, yeah. they don't have to be mean like that. Yeah, and I don't think that it was necessarily the Rangerettes that came up with that, because they wouldn't want... Yeah, because if they're trying to be, like, the picture of a lady, like, they're not gonna be mean. Yeah, exactly. It's the diehard fans and mothers. Oh, yeah. Woo, those drill team moms. I'm not saying all of them, but there's a select few. Someone call Miss Abby. Yeah, like dance moms. Jeez Louise. And then there's Kevlin, who I loved. I loved her. She uh, was a second time person to try out so first mm-hmm. time she tried out she didn't make it then she talked about all the things that she went through she she did maybe six kinds of dance classes a week maybe no there was more yeah and her there mom was, was like yeah it's expensive it's like i mean that's dedication yeah and her life after not making that tryout was training like for a full year after that and her dedication was honestly inspiring and I'm so glad she made it yeah me too just for like the sake of you know she worked so hard I don't want it to go to waste yeah and honestly like you could tell that she was one of the stronger um kickers and dancers uh, just whenever you saw her on the screen. Yeah. And, I don't know, I just really liked her a lot. Kevlin, if you're listening, big fan. <laughs> um, and then there's Caroline, who, bless her heart, oh my god. Oh, she, she was having a bit of a rough time. Yes. So, she's actually, her story is the one that made me cry. Um, so, probably, like, a couple days into the tryout training week. So, these girls go to training right before tryouts for a whole week. And, so, a couple days into that, she starts getting sick. And, back in the background, um, Mrs. Wayne and, uh, Miss Blair are talking about, well, this poor girl, she's sick, but she's still doing everything. She's not, like, 
She's not even sitting down. Yeah. And, but eventually, um, Caroline had to go to the hospital. Yeah, because she talked about how her uncle was, like, a doctor kind of in the area, and he Mm -hmm. came and set up an IV in the parking lot and, like, tried to help her get better. Yeah. And next thing you know, she's in the hospital. (laughs) Getting her appendix removed. And an emergency surgery. They said if she kept dancing like that, it would have ruptured. Yeah. That's insane. I don't... I, I wouldn't have done it. I personally couldn't do it. I don't think I would have even went to sign drop. After throwing up for the first time, I would have called my mom and gone home. <laughs> but I honestly, I think her background is what kind of helped her out because her dad was in the army. And so she has that military background and I'm sure she was raised tough, you know? Yeah, yeah. And... I just thought that, like, that literally, that's what made me cry. It made me cry. Like, whenever she, whenever the sign dropped. So, the sign drop is when they reveal who um, made Rangerette that season. And um, whenever the sign dropped and I saw her number, like, I was, like, audibly crying not this time but like the first time i watched it i was crying i mean even this past time we watched when we watched it together i cried i don't know if you noticed that i cried um i had some tears rolling down my face but not necessarily during that part it was whenever she was in the hospital that i was crying um but also caroline a big fan (laughs) yes big fan Oh, like, that was, that was such a cool thing, you know? Like, I'm sorry that you had to deal with that, but it... It just makes you so cool. Yeah. It made a great story, you yeah, know? Yeah, for sure. Like, I hate to say it, but you kind of, you kind of made the film, you know, like... You gave it that dramatic element that wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, a forced dramatic element. It was seriously, like, a... Wow, she's in the hospital getting emergency surgery. Like, that's crazy. The last one, and she was saved for last, is someone who we already talked about was Emily Deal. Yeah. She was one of the strongest on the the team. Yeah, and at one point, the camera went around to all these different girls, like, Mm -hmm. and they were being asked who they were looking out for the most, Mm -hmm. or, like, who they had their eye on, and they almost all said... Emily Deal. Yeah. And she turned out to be captain when she was a sophomore. So that's pretty fitting to me, honestly. Yeah. Um, so, and that's really kind of all we got from her was that she was just great. Mm-hmm. And which isn't a problem. Uh, I just thought about McDonald's. <laughs> I don't, there's no reason why I was just like, mm, McDonald's. Wow, they really got me programmed, Meredith. <laughs> it's your um targeted ads, but like in your brain. I know. <laughs> so, um and then at the end of the movie, they did some in dedications to a few of the women who were in the movie that were on the first line of Rangerettes had passed away, unfortunately. Um they were so cute, and yeah. they seemed like such sweet women, you know? Yeah. 
They were so they were probably so excited that they were getting interviewed and everything. And it it just makes my heart happy to know that they got to be in that movie when they were able to, you know. Yeah. Um so one of the things like that we talked about is it's crazy because I, it's crazy because I know some of these people. Yeah. And they're pretty easily accessible in a way. So, like I said, my friend is a manager. My former teacher, he did a book about the Kilgore College Rangerettes called the Kilgore Rangerettes book. And it's a photography book. Um, he's a photography professor at Kilgore College. Um, he recently retired, though. Um, and then there's Chip Hale, who actually worked on the same newspaper I did whenever I was in, not like at the same time, but we worked on the same newspaper at Kilgore College, which was the Flare. Um, then, like, being able to see, like, one of the times during the movie, they go down the street and, um, I forgot which, I should know this street. It's not Houston Street. But it's like the one next to it. Um, and they show like where the Rangerette Auditorium is. And Oh yeah, and you pointed out the dorm that you lived in. Yeah. I just lived there, you know? Um so that w- that was weird. And like I've been to every single one of those places that they showed. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been in the Rangerette gym. Uh, I've been in the auditorium. I've walked down that street. Have you I've been in the lobby of their dorm. I actually have. Yeah, I have. Uh, so that's one of the things is that really nobody can walk past the lobby of their dorm, which is like in a million dollar complex, which is insane. But it was donated by a former rangerette, uh, who just so happened upon. A fortune. <laughs> and that's all we're going to say about that. <laughs> so it's just crazy how, and like I said earlier, individually, these people aren't super famous. But together as a whole, they are. Right. But some of the rules that actually do exist. Because they do have crazy rangerette rules. Yeah. Is no, they cannot chew gum. Ever. I don't think so. Maybe like if they're hiding in their dorms, they can chew <laughs> gum. I know for a fact they are not allowed to chew gum while they are performing. Oh, well, yeah. They that's would get murdered if, <laughs> if they well, did that. Well, imagine you're going to see a play. You're going to see Romeo and Juliet, and Juliet's just smacking away. Like, you wouldn't want to pay, you wouldn't want to, pay to see that. You know? <laughs> I, no. I, I get the no gum while performing, but yeah. I mean, just like in general, in public, that's crazy. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, they always have to smile while performing, or um, I believe while in uniform. I know sometimes they don't. I know while performing they have to. Because in the auditorium, in the back of the auditorium, it has the... Like the fasten your seatbelt sign on a plane, but it says smile. Yes. Or like the applause sign yeah. in some like studios. 
And that's still there. Like, I when I went it. to Revels, I looked back and it's still there. And um, that's been there for a long time. And it's actually a cute little thing, it you know? It is cute, yeah. Um, But they have smiling practice during, like, pre-tryouts. They'll sit there and... Um, I believe it was it was either Shelly or um, Dana. They said, when you're not doing anything, you need to smile, you know? Stand at attention and smile. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they put Vaseline on their teeth. To make them look shiny? Or to make them smile. You know, because you don't want to, like, put your lips down on that. Ooh. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm sure at one point someone did, you know? Yeah, I would probably have to. And then uh, freshmen do not get to talk to the sophomores. Which, that's crazy to me because they're like, this really is a family and we're so happy to welcome you and blah, blah. And then they're like, don't talk yeah. to your, your elders. Like, that's... It's low-key hazing. Like, yeah, well, I mean, and they're like... We're teaching you how to become young ladies and the future adults of the world, but you have to follow these exact strict rules and we'll tell you exactly how to be and you cannot talk and you have to smile. Yeah. I think that's more of like an extreme discipline thing, you know? I'm not trying to say it's okay. Yeah, because I understand discipline, but like... yeah. To not talk to just sophomores, like yeah, and they can't ask questions. They they can only talk when they're spoken to. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> and when they're told to do something, they have to say yes, Miss Blank. Which. I was in marching band, mm-hmm. and we had a good band program. You know, he would tell us like at the beginning of each season, like, you know, don't talk on the field, you know, when. We give you instruction or give you correction or something. You say, like, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, Mm ma'am. But it wasn't, like, every little thing, you know? It wasn't that strict. Because after we watched the movie, Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, it's kind of like MasterChef or whatever. When he's like, (laughs) this is the most disgusting thing I've ever eaten. And you're poisoning our guests. Pack your knives and go home. And they're like, thank you, chef. Like, no, he just insulted you. Don't thank him for that. You know? They also have to raise their hands and say it. Like, just so... Yeah. Well, we did have to raise our... Like, if he said... You know, because I played saxophone. Mm -hmm. If he'd said saxes, we'd all have to raise our hand. Mm -hmm. So he knew we were listening. But, I mean, it wasn't like we had to raise our hand and speak back to... Because that's... That's crazy. (laughs) That's too much authority for me. I could handle being in band and all that. I could not be a ranger just purely because I could not handle having that much authority. We have no discipline. <laughs> That's what it is. We have zero discipline. Actually, Meredith has a lot of discipline. I have zero discipline. And it's not even like a discipline thing. It's like a it's like a, if you tell me that if you demand me to do something, I don't want to do it. We question authority way too much. Like that's our problem. We like should. we're good. Like we're yeah, good. Yeah, I kids. follow the I follow the rules because I want to, not because somebody told me to. Exactly. Right? Yes. And then another thing is they cannot walk on grass. I have actually seen pictures, uh, like, of rangerettes 
when they're done being rangerettes, they'll take pictures of them walking on the grass. Because mm. it's that, yeah. Well, because I know, like, at A&M, which is also, like, a huge cult school, <laughs> there's certain patches of grass that you're not allowed to walk on, like, if you go to the campus. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard of, like, a group. Now. Why aren't they allowed to walk on grass? I guess because that's just not what ladies do. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I guess maybe because they wear white boots. Well, I mean, even when they're out of uniform, they can't walk If they're walk not on allowed grass. to walk on grass, how do they get on the turf of the football field? That's simulated grass. That don't count. Hmm. Sounds like, a, but like, sounds like a plot hole to me. Even during... While they're just walking to class, they can't walk on grass. Like, out of uniform. I jump over the little grass patch. Because, you know, like, sometimes between, like, the street and the sidewalk. Yeah. I just jump over. I wonder if that's ever happened, you know? I wonder if, like, a group of rangerettes went out at night, and then they, like, go on campus and, like, put, like, just touch the grass. They're like, ooh, I'm touching the grass. I bet you there's been some people that did that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I would. I would. Just, Just because to they it. told me not to. Exactly. It's so tempting. Like, I, I don't go out of my way to walk in the grass, but if you tell me I'm explicitly not allowed to, I'm, I'm going to be like, do it. Yeah. why? You know? <laughs> like we said, we question authority way too much. Um, then, um, I'm pretty sure freshmen have to hold open the doors for the sophomores. Yeah, that's another little bit of hazing. Like, yeah. if we're being for real. Oh, I mean, and I guess, like... Even though it is, pardon my French, even if it is stupid, (laughs) I would rather them have hazing like that than, like, the extreme cases that you see in other, like, Greek life organizations. Yeah. And speaking of pardoning your French, have you noticed I have not said one curse word this episode? Because we're exemplifying what it means to be ladies. I know, right? That's exactly why. Editing is going to be a breeze. (laughs) (laughs) it really is usually it's kind of bad but you know it's gotten better the past couple of weeks i think me not cussing or yeah like not having to do the add the beep beep dot wave (laughs) i'll remember that next movie (laughs) every other word (laughs) oh my god i would kill myself like if i were you i would kill me (laughs) not like i would just kill myself but yeah i i had to clarify but um another one which i get is not walking alone on campus yeah like at any time i think so do you have to walk with another rangerette or can it be anyone i think it can be anyone i'm pretty sure it can be anyone Hmm. i don't know sometimes i like to walk by myself you know in like the daytime or whatever but that one i'm not sure about yeah. But I feel like it's true. Well, I mean, in Girl Scouts, we would have to always take a buddy. When we, like, had to wander off from the group, mm-hmm. we couldn't just, like, wander off by ourselves. We'd have to take someone with us. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like, I totally, as, as a woman, I get it. Yeah. That's sad but true. Yeah. Do men deserve rights? <laughs> <laughs> Thought we wouldn't ask you, didn't you? Oh, but we did. Found a way. Found a way. 
So, the next that I really want to talk about is Rebels. Um, Rebels is a spring showcase that In they In our have. script, it says the beauty that is Rebels. Because it is. You don't understand, Meredith. Gosh, Mom. <laughs> you're not so a un- You're so uncool. <laughs> no, but honestly, Rebels is amazing. I've cried at Rebels. Don't laugh at me. That's okay. If if I make it to a show on the Monkeys Tour, I will cry. Yeah. So don't feel too bad. <laughs> but, like, the reason why I cried is because there was this one girl, and I remember her because she tried out to be captain, or a lieutenant, and um, she, her foot was in a boot. Like, I forgot what she had pulled, but it, was, it wasn't it was good. Right. It wasn't a good situation. And she tried out um, for a lieutenant. And she's wearing a boot, and she's the only one with a boot. And I was like, oh my gosh, I hope that doesn't destroy her chances. Which I kind of didn't think it Wait, would. chances for what? To be, like, lieutenant or captain. Oh. And um, I didn't think it would, but I was just, you know, hoping. Yeah. Um, but she ended up getting, uh, I forgot what position she got, but she got one of the, um, lieutenant or captain positions. But in Rebels, they kind of went through her story. Um, I don't think she thought she was going to be able to perform in Rebels, and this was her sophomore year, so. Oh, that's uh, so sad. Yeah, it was her last year. And because um, they age out after two years, right? Since it's just a community college. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I remember someone doing an article about her in the newspaper, and they took picture with all of her, like boots and casts that she had to wear and things like that. And uh, like, they didn't. I don't think she thought she was going to be able to perform in Revels, but she performed a solo in Revels, and it was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen in my entire... I'm tearing up a little, like, a little bit. Like, I can feel it in my nose. But it was great. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And stop laughing at me. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of the, the audio clip that's, like, beautiful, amazing, stunning, totally unique, always interesting. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Honestly. Um... But it and there's all different types of dance. Like I said, there's tap, there's ballet, there's contemporary, there's hip hop, jazz. Um, it's just all kinds of dance, and I'm super excited to take you to Rebels because I took Brielle one year and she said it was amazing. I'm kind of scared. Why? Because I feel like it's jumping into like rabid piranha well piranhas don't get rabid they're fish but like you know a swarm mm-hmm. and i feel like it's gonna be crazy there's gonna be fanatics there and i'm just gonna be like oh dance team oh but you'll change your mind <laughs> no it just depends on what night we go because i believe thursday nights are when uh, like a bunch of local drill teams go mm-hmm. so that's probably the night we need to avoid <laughs> but um yeah there's all kinds of people there. A lot of people from town come. A lot of people from out of town, out of state. Yeah, because they are world famous. Do you have any questions? I mean, 
I don't think so. It's just kind of like, you know, I can't believe like there's this whole like sort of underground society of people who like <laughs> worship this drill team. Yeah. And I've like barely ever heard of it. <laughs> Which not to say like I I mean I don't know about everything, but Yeah. No, like I get it's it. It's like they're world famous, but there's still so many people that have like no idea how much of an impact these women have. Yeah, and if you ask like somebody who's in a drill team if they've ever heard of the Rangerettes, they're probably going to know. Yeah. That's one of the things. It's it's very niche, you know. Which that uh, makes it even cooler. Yeah. So it's like a, it is a cult following, honestly. Yeah. And that's not even trying to say it in the bad way because I mean like we've talked about the Evil Dead having a cult following, which it definitely does. Yeah. Like almost all of those older horror movies do. Yep. And I mean, this wasn't a horror movie unless you're just you hate women. You're just terrified of drill teams. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, like, it's... And one of the things, I hate to say it, but when you go to Kilgore, I don't think you necessarily understand in the moment what you got there. Um, Part of me is like, Oh, the Rangerettes. They think they're so cool, you know? Yeah. But, like, when you leave and you truly look into it, you realize how dedicated and how nice some of them actually are. Like, one time, I still think about it, but it was whenever I was... I actually did a couple of football games as the KC Ranger, their mascot... And, um... I was trying to make the connection of, if if they're the Rangers, then why are why are they, like, the drill... But then they're the Rangerettes, and I just didn't... Didn't connect right away. <laughs> but, um, it was... I was out of character, and I was in the bathroom, and they had just gotten done with halftime. And, uh, one of the girls who I knew from class, like, I didn't know very well... But she came up to me, and she kind of, like, put her head on my shoulder, and I was like, hey, and she's like, hey, and I think it was just, like, that camaraderie, you know, yeah. and that kind of sisterhood feeling, yeah. you know, that I liked. I was like, they're really hardworking. They yeah. truly are. And, I mean, it's a legacy for a reason. Yeah. And you gotta, like, keep that up. I think at one point in the movie, one of the directors said... It's getting kind of hard. Like, they try to make a more exciting show every year, and it's getting kind of hard to top what they've been doing in the past couple of years. Yeah. I can see that. And, um... Even in class, they were some of the hardest workers. And, I mean, I'm pretty sure... Well, I'm sure there's probably a no-pass, no-play kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's like, if you're not doing well enough, they'll just cut you, but... Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And so they just work hard all around. And soon they're going to England. Um, in 1997, they went to Singapore. A couple years ago, they went to Ireland. So if you're going to be in England anytime soon, check out the Rangerettes. Yeah. And they're in uh, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade every year. Oh, that's super exciting because Thanksgiving oh, is yeah. coming up. It's coming up. And they're, they also perform at the Cotton Bowl um, whenever, 
I forgot when exactly. But yeah, they perform at the Cotton Bowl every year. Um, that's at the Fair Park in Arlington, Dallas area. Um, I, say, I don't know. It's thing. at the State Fair. I don't know a thing about football, Cotton Bowl, bowl games. I don't get that at all. Yeah, when I say fairgrounds, like it's literally on the grounds where they do State Fair. Okay. Um, and then there's that. So, what what did you think about the movie? Well, kind of like I said earlier, it's really hard for a documentary to keep my attention. Um, but I think this did a good job of telling a story and, you know, focusing on a subject without necessarily having, like, a huge biased slant towards it. I mean, obviously it was slanted a little bit because it was showing, like, how awesome the Rangerettes are and what goes into being such a dedicated team. Mm -hmm. But it did show kind of some of the downsides where you know the directors were talking about you know it's not pretty and they don't know what they're getting themselves into and it's you know really difficult so it did kind of shed light on some of the negative sides of it um so i mean in that way i felt that it was pretty balanced you Mm -hmm. know and it was it was interesting yeah especially if being something that i don't know anything about yeah you know and, um, I had something I was going to say, but I forgot. Because the only thing that I could really, like, relate it to was my marching band experience where we were disciplined. Like, we weren't that disciplined, but I mean, I understand, like, you hate it in the moment, mm-hmm. but then you see how you're, per- like, you perform, and you see, like, all these people who are excited to see you perform, and you graduate, and it's like, man, I really love that, you know? Yeah, and even one of the lines in the movie, um, it's from Dana Blair, she said, um, people don't want a mamby-pamby director, you know? They say, uh, they said, those girls will love you when they get a blue ribbon, you know? Yeah, and that was the other thing, is like, our band directors were tough. Like, they got mad and they yelled, but then as soon as practice was over... And everybody's walking out the field. They're like, hey, how you been? You know, how, yeah. you, how you doing? Like, they got personal. Like, they wanted to know. They wanted us to know that they were on our side. You know, yeah. like, they only really wanted us to succeed. Because, like, our main marching band director at the time. Well, still. He's still there. Um, he would get kind of intense during practice. And people would say that they were scared of him. Sometimes when he yelled, like, from way up there, you know? But every morning, it was like a race to see who would get, like, between me and him, to see who would get to say good morning to the other person first. So it's like, <laughs> you know, but it didn't take away from them from him being a serious band director. Mm-hmm. And, like, he was still an authority figure. Yeah. So I kind of feel like some of their super intense, we don't want to be your friend, we want to be your director... I feel like some of it was a little excessive. Really? Yeah. I don't want to, you know, because I don't want to think of it as, like, intimidating. You know, you want to think of it as, like, I need to go to you when I need help so that I can be better. Yeah. But if you're afraid to talk to your director, how are you going to ask for help and get better? Because they can't talk to the sophomores either. So if you're a freshman and you are just struggling, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? I've heard some rangerettes say that... They love um, 
Miss Blair and Miss Wayne afterwards. So, yeah, I don't know. I haven't experienced it. Yeah. I actually haven't even truly met them. Yeah. Um, I've been in the same room as them. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't exactly met them. Um, so... What I thought about the movie, we really didn't, like, get into the technical aspects of it. Yeah. Because it wasn't, I mean, it was just a documentary. So it wasn't so much, like, narrative plot driven. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like a behind the scenes sort of thing. Yeah. And I was reading through the website, um, and there's kind of like a Q&A um, with Chip Hale and a few of the other contributors and people who worked on the movie. And he was saying there's a certain style that he was going for, the certain style of documentary that he had seen before and that he loved. And it's noticeable now that I think about it because there's not really a true narrator. Now, in, like in most documentaries, you have, I'd say, I'd call it like the God voice where yeah. there's not, you don't see a body, but you hear the voice narrating what's going on and what's happening. And I think that's what I don't like about documentaries is mm-hmm. I don't like, it's always British. He always talks slow. Or Morgan Freeman. Yeah, and that, that's boring. Yeah. You know, the only other documentary, like before this one, the only documentary that I truly like, oh yeah, I love that movie, it's called Grizzly Man. Yeah. And the director, I've told Megan about Grizzly Man before, but the director is the narrator and like he talks to some of the subjects that he's interviewing. But I mean, it's not that same kind of, like it's not reading a script. It's yeah. like personal yeah crazy movie check it out it's called grizzly man that's all i mean that's all i can really say without going off on a tangent but i think that's what i liked about this movie is that there wasn't a narrator yeah it was very like journalistic in style yeah to where like you would just put what the person said and yeah. not what you and were I saying think, and i think that's what helps with not giving it a slant yeah. It's because the slant came from these people that were saying, I think the Rangerettes are just the greatest ever. Yeah. It wasn't the director saying it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, here comes the real question. What do you rate the movie? have not thought about it one bit. Really? Really. <laughs> it's hard to rate it, honestly. Right, because it's a documentary, so it's not so much like... Technically, yeah, yeah, you have to look at it as because I mean, there's not a story that you can judge because it's not some elaborate made up thing, like, this is a real like these things really happened and they were caught on camera well, not caught on camera but documented. So, I mean, I think just because I'm not the biggest fan of documentaries, I'm gonna go with three and a half. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, three and a half cardboard signs. Cardboard? Didn't it? Or plywood or whatever yeah, there it was. You go. <laughs> three and a half plywood signs covered in duct tape and glitter out of five. <laughs> <laughs> I. Mine's close to yours. I picked four high kicks out of five. And that's because I'm gonna kind of put it to how yeah. you do it. Yeah. One. It's a movie. <laughs> By default, it gets a star. Two, it's about the Rangerettes. Uh, three, I'd been there. 
and it just has a lot of nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. And then four, because I actually, it, it was more than just a documentary. It was really actually entertaining and it made me cry. It, I don't, I'm pretty sure it made me laugh. It made me feel, it made me feel. Yeah. That's it. It made me feel. It did definitely have a very human aspect to it. Yes. And I appreciate that. Yes. And it's something that not a lot of people know about. Like we said, it's niche and it's opening people's eyes to something that not a lot of people are familiar with. Yeah. So that's why it gets a four for me. Yeah. Um... Then, also, we just kind of want to plug our Twitter again. Look out for our giveaway tweet. We'll probably be sending it around again soon. Remember, if you follow us, you get entered in a drawing for two free movie tickets. And if you retweet the informational tweet, you get a second chance to win. Exactly. So, why not? It's either... You either win a free movie ticket, or two free movie tickets, or, you know, all it really cost you was click the button. Yeah. So... You're not losing anything, at least. You can either go once with a friend, or twice by yourself. Possibilities are endless, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you have any last thoughts? Um, join us next week. We yes. haven't fully decided what we're doing yet. I think we have a few options that we're picking from. Mm-hmm. We should do a poll. We will do a poll. Yeah, let's we'll do that. We'll do a poll. And then... We have a very special mini episode planned for Thanksgiving, which we won't give too much away okay. right now, okay. but we will have a mini episode dropped on Thanksgiving Day. Yes. Also, um, before we leave, I just want to say thank you again to everybody who helped and participated in this. Um, thank you to my anonymous manager friend. Thank you to Catherine Morton, Chip Hale, um, who else? Anybody else that helped with this. We really appreciate yes. Um, you taking time out of your lives to, you know, help out this small little podcast. I know, like it's ah ah. We, I mean, I just don't even know how to say thank you. It's yes. just overwhelming to think like there's such a tight knit group of you know Rangerette community. Yeah. And they are so willing to to help us. Oh, and also um. Chrysosaurus, the world famous flight attendant from Twitter. Thank you. Thank you. We noticed you. And we love you. We're sorry you couldn't make it to be on this episode, but I know. hope you have safe travels. Yes. So, that's it. We had a great time. Great time. Um, Once again, it was a movie that Megan had seen, but I had not. Yeah. Kind of like Ernest, Scared Stupid. So, hey, you're two for two right now. I know, right? Bang, just doing it, just doing it. <laughs> but yeah, thank y'all so much, and we've had a great time. And we hope you did too. Yeah, and we hope you listen to the rest of our episodes. Yes, don't forget, you can always go back and listen to any old ones that you missed. Yeah, they get good around the third episode. Because <laughs> that's when Meredith they joins. Get good. I didn't join the third episode. No, no, it was fourth. the fourth one. Fourth one. Yeah, I try yeah. to forget that third one. <laughs> Ugh, that was bad. Episode four, personally, in my humble, non-biased opinion, is fantastic, so. Yes, I have to agree. I have to agree. Well, with that, we will 
talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Really?